Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for joining in. Hey, I don't know if you heard the news, but uh, there was an article on Inc.com about the 35 top entrepreneur podcasts, according to entrepreneurs who actually listen to podcasts. And uh, much to my surprise and delight, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do was number 25 on that list. So if you haven't seen that, just jump over to Inc.com or you can go surf around any of my social media because you can be sure that I have posted it about 4 billion times. So we're excited to get a little bit of attention from Inc. And uh, hopefully that'll bring us some new listeners. If you found us in the last couple of weeks because of that list, thank you. Jump on over to iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. And uh, join our community. You can follow us on on Twitter, on Facebook. And we also have the group coaching program, The Cool Things Project, which uh, we are still accepting people into at this time. So today we are going to talk with somebody who has been on an interesting career journey. He, his, job is, his jobs have included 22 years at IBM and several thriving tech startups, as well as a quick stint as a high school math teacher. I think he jumped in and went, ah, and then jumped out of that. I think he did about a year teaching high school math. Uh, and he has you know, worked around in fundraising, and he's had a near-fatal bike accident that changed his perspective on life. And maybe we'll get a chance to hear a little bit about that. 30 years of wandering around the career desert, often repeating the same mistakes over and over, taught our guest that the most crucial, crucial lesson he could learn was that most people don't really know what makes them happy at their core and what fulfills them. Mark Miller's latest endeavor is Career Pivot, where he uses his extensive training experience to help others, especially baby boomers, find careers that they could grow into for decades that, decades that lie ahead. Now, we talk a lot on this show about solopreneurs, and we've cited different studies left and right where it says 30 to 40% of us are going to end up having to work for ourselves. And what I'm seeing is that's happening more and more to the baby boomers than anybody else. And I'm sure Mark has a great perspective on that. So, Mark Miller, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. As always, Tom, it's great to talk to you. Thank you. We've, so we've we've known each other for quite a few years. So yeah, Mark lives here in Austin, Texas, and I have probably known him for well over a decade, running around in the tech circles here in town and some other stuff. But Mark, why don't you tell everybody what you're doing now? I mentioned career pivot. Why don't you explain what that really is all about? Well, you know, I've uh, I, I jokingly say I'm on my seventh career. Uh, some people say I can't hold a job, <laughs> and um, I I've been a, an employee all my life. And finally, in July 11th of 2002, I had a, a near-fatal bicycle accident. I hit a car head-on at 50 miles an hour and um, lived. And that kind of got me to kind of go, okay, uh, what am I doing? That's when I went off to teach high school math. I did two years of that. Um, and, yes, it was a lot rougher than I thought it'd be. <laughs> I did a year of nonprofit work. Uh, then I re- joke I relapsed. I went back into another startup. And I started, you know, I remember Tom and I, we talked back in 2008, 2009, where I was watching most of my buddies um, being wiped out in this, in this last recession. Uh, many were wiped out in the first recession, and nobody was doing much of anything. 
And I looked at books and I looked at a lot of other resources and there largely wasn't anything. So I started, I left my, my, uh, my last startup in 2011 and started Career Pivot in 2012, largely to focus on the baby boomer generation uh, and making career transitions. What I have found is I'm running into a lot of folks in their mid-40s and early 40s and early 50s who are going, who are successful and hate what they're doing and have not a clue uh, what to do next. Well, so and, I, I, and I find that as well. There's a lot of people out there. I do a lot of work with, you know, really well-paid and, and successful attorneys, and a lot of them <laughs> absolutely hate their jobs. And, and that's true of people in lots of careers. I read a study recently that said, like, it was something like 72%, or I forget the exact statistic, but it was huge, of the American workforce would change jobs if there were jobs to go to. Yeah, it's we are the world is changing, and one of the things is uh, work is changing. Um, the you know what what people can do to make living make a living is changing dramatically. Uh, in fact, I just finished a book and did a review on a uh, book called End of Jobs, uh, where it basically he, Tyler Pearson basically said, you know, it's never been easier to be an entrepreneur, and. I claim that boomers are becoming entrepreneurs at a greater late rate than any other generation, primarily because they have to. Yeah, there's not other options for them out there. Yes. Uh, in fact, I'm, I just got an email from a guy who's over 60. Uh, he's largely been worked for himself his entire life, and now he's kind of stuck, and he's trying to go find a job. And I keep on telling him, is you need to go find how to be an entrepreneur again. Uh, but I just want a job. You've worked for yourself your entire life. No one's going to hire you. Right. Well, and, and the other thing is, is even if you've worked for a company all of your life, you know, if, if you're 63 or 64, a lot of people, I mean, I know they shouldn't be ageist in making their decisions, but a lot of them are like, well, you could retire in a few years. You know, let's get someone younger in here, even though the reality is most people only stay in their job a couple of years anyway. So, you know, those who are doing the hiring are probably smart to hire someone who is a bit older because they'll probably be a more loyal hire than somebody else. But that's just not the way it works. Tom, you're getting logical. Stop that. <laughs> Stop that. Um, yeah, it's the the what we do for a living. I mean, I, I get briefed by Texas Workforce Commission every every year, once, sometimes twice a year, and you'll find the top ten hottest jobs. Seven of them didn't exist five years ago, and it's we're at the point where you know. You you need to you need to morph. You need to, to move move with the flow. Uh, one of the challenges is um, you know most of us don't know either what's out there or what we can do. I claim most baby boomers we we went off to, when we left college. We went to work. Work wasn't supposed to be fun, but by the way, when we retire, we were going to be happy. <laughs> and then most Gen Xers, those between 30 and 50, said, you know what? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to delay marriage and kids. And when I'm successful, I'll be happy. Well, that didn't work either. So what do we do to our kids? We told them, follow your passion. The money will follow. Well, it didn't work either. <laughs> I was going to say, how's that working out for that younger generation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so um, – it's uh, so my focus primarily is to help people figure out what 
um, what makes them tick, rebrand them, and target them at, a, at, a, at, a, at something that they want to do. We came up with the term pivot because it's rarely do you make this, you know, jump from A to B. It's always, it's all a bunch of little steps. And in fact, I, I've, one of my clients is being written up in AARP. This, uh, she'll, the article should be coming out in, um, uh, in June where she transitioned from working for an engineering firm as an as a as a kind of an administrator to moving into an engineering firm as a social media and and PR person and now we're moving her out of the engineering world. It's 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 going to be multiple incremental steps. So Mark, what led you? I mean, when I was reading your bio, you know, I forgot that you had been with IBM, you know, that was especially 20 years ago. That was a huge organization. You spent most of your career in in Big Blue, in a big company, and then you went to work for, you know, tech startups here and around the Austin area. What led you to say, you know, in 2012, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to go out and make my own way. Well, you know, I I joke, I was raised to be an employee, to go work for a father-like company that would take care of me. That didn't work. Uh, I left IBM when we, they screwed me on my pension. And I went, you know what? I don't trust you anymore. So I left in January of 2000 to go work for a successful startup. It was a, a gear system, a gear. Uh, we were a network processor startup. We were bought out by Lucent. Um, but I had soon, I, I figured I had to stay employed because my wife. Uh, has always well. She's been a massage therapist for the last twenty years. Uh, I needed to get health insurance, and I couldn't buy health insurance for her. And finally, we reached a point in when, at my second startup, Life Size, where I was put in a highly unethical position. And decided I'm getting out of here. I don't care. I'm going to figure this out. And thankfully, to Obamacare, although it's very expensive, I can at least buy health insurance now. And so. I've, I've had this entrepreneurial bent for a long time. I just figured I couldn't do it uh, until finally 2010, 2011, I finally said, let's go do this thing. So now that you've been doing it for, wow, I mean, almost four or five years, what do you absolutely love about working for yourself, thinking back to you were raised to work for a big company and now you're working for Mark? What do, what do you like about it? Well, it's, it's obviously as many of, your, as many of your, uh, um, your guests have said before, it's the freedom. Uh, I am standing on my back patio right now. Uh, I've got a little standing desk. <laughs> we, we, could, we could thing. hear the birds chirping. I'm like, is yes. he outside? Yes. I'm. Uh, well, we're, I'm on a condo. I'm on the second floor of a – we're on the second and third floor of a low-rise condo. And so um, I spend my days – because I spend most of my days on Skype. Um, I – out here. <laughs> and I have a standing desk and I have a pad uh, on the floor and – you know, I, I had a I, I spent an hour with my client in Germany today this morning, and it, there's tremendous freedom. Uh, we went down to Galveston a couple of weeks ago and spent five days down there, and I worked from there. Uh, that's the kind of freedom. My I turned sixty this year. I have no plans to retire. My plan is to work less at something. What I is work less at something I enjoy. And and I want to be able to control how much I want to work. Because 
I'm, as I turn 60, I look back and compare myself to my father when he was 60, which was in the late 70s. In many ways, I'm much younger than him. He was uh, an economist in the New York Stock Exchange. He was forced into retirement in 1978 and was miserable. He eventually taught uh, university. Uh, that took quite a while to get to get there. Uh, but, you know, I don't have any intention to retire. I just don't want to, I don't want to work the 80-hour weeks I worked at the startups. <laughs> so you like the freedom, but, yes. you know, is there anything you don't like? Are there ever days you think, I wonder if IBM would hire me back? Well, I don't wish that, but I do have a problem. I have the worst boss ever. <laughs> <laughs> me? Um, I am... I am getting better. You know, I do wake up in the morning sometimes and go look at myself and say, you're fired. And you just won't go away. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I'm getting better. I'm, you know, the first couple of years I was very driven. I, you know, I, I couldn't take time off. Uh, I now give my permission to take a little bit of time off. Um, given the kind of business I have, I do typically work seven days a week. Because, you know, a lot of my clients, the only time they can talk to me is on the weekends. But I'm getting better. My boss isn't quite such a jerk. See, I think your boss, is, I think your boss is a nice guy. Yeah. I have, I have coffee with you all the time. You're always nice to me. <laughs> yeah, but he's not nice to me. No, that, that's why I, I trust me. I know that, you know, I always say that the worst part about my job is, is that, you know, I have a worse, I have a horrible boss and that boss is me. So I get it. I tell the same joke. But but here is here is a question, right? So what you do for a living is you you give advice, you consult with people who are looking at making these career pivots, often later in life, but now often younger people as well. What advice do you have for somebody who's listening to the show right now who says, you know, I don't want to be forced out to have to become a solopreneur or start a small business. This is my desire. I, I just want to go do it. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to start their own thing? Yeah, one of the things is don't be a turkey. Um, <laughs> gobble, gobble. What, what does that oh, mean? Yes. Well, the, the, the metaphor came again from the book End of Jobs, where he talks about the fact that a turkey is typically born in a sterile environment. He gets he or she gets up every morning, is fed. Life is really good. And every day is better than the next until the fourth Thursday in November. When it all, when, you know what? It ain't so good to be a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and you get slaughtered. Yes. And the point there is you always have to be looking on what's next. I, I teach something called the targeted job search, which is figure out who is capable of hiring you. One way to look at this is look at, as, look at this as being a consultant. You are paid to solve problems. You solve certain kinds of problems. So who has those problems? Those are the people who are capable of hiring you. At that point, you should network your way in, build the relationships at the list of companies that are capable of hiring you so that when they do have a position, they go, hey, Tom, you interested? So you bring up an interesting point, and that is you should be always looking for a job, whether you're ready to or not, or whether you're ready to make the leap and do your own thing. You always should be looking for what's next. But you said then, network your way in. So how important is networking for entrepreneurs? Well, networking is absolutely critical because this is all relational. People 
people hire people they like. Whether you are you are looking for clients, whether you are looking for employees, it's all about likability. And it, and it's two ways. Do you like the people who are where you want to go work next? Uh, one of the key things my coach taught me was to spot those people I don't want to work with. <laughs> Uh, I've got several clients that we're, uh, I have them on 18 to 24 month plans, and that is to get out of their company, start their own business. And the way I framed it is, wouldn't it be great to take a uh, 75, make only 75% of what you make today, but only work 10 months of the year and fire the people you don't want to deal with? That's um, a, yeah, and it's yeah, usually that's, the that's small good. number of people that give you, that create a lot of stress in your life. Well, it's like sitting around the family dinner. It's only one aunt who drives everybody freaking crazy, but she's always there. Yes, that's right. And so it's, it's about taking control. Uh, and, you know, in fact, I'm doing a talk for a, one of the associations here in town a couple of weeks about I'm doing the turkey talk about um, how not to be a turkey. And the key piece is you never know when shit is going to happen. Um, in this case, th- this group tends to be very project-oriented, so you can be prepared when the project ends or suddenly the project gets killed halfway through. What are you going to do next? So, Mark, I have a lot more questions for you. But first, as always, I have to thank the sponsor of this show, and I am a big fan of the sponsor of this show. This episode as is all of the episodes at this time, are brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Mark Miller. So, for an exclusive offer to the listeners of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, they have a special page at podfly.net slash cool things. If you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, I wouldn't start a podcast without at least having a conversation with podfly.net. Check them out. So, Mark, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So, what's something right now that's cool and exciting that you're doing with your business? Sure. Again, I'm going to talk about two things. One, uh, on Monday evenings, I have office hours. I use, blo- use Blab, blab.im, and every Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time, or GMT minus 5, my, my intern and myself are on there to answer questions. Now, we start out with usually 15 or 20 minutes of a discussion that I predetermined. And tonight's session is on, uh, this Monday night, is on talents versus skills and do you know the difference. But then after about 15, 20 minutes, we will open up the chairs because Blab allows up to four, four people to be on. And we had some great discussions. And I record it. I do not record... I record my beginning and I record the ending. I do not record when people, when various people uh, take the chairs, but it's a it's a it's a both a safe place because it's video. You think Blab is 
kind of like Google Hangouts, but um, but better. And uh, and at some point in time, that is going to turn into a podcast. Uh, we're still working on the format and playing around, and we've had a few technical glitches. Um, <laughs> Sounds like but, you need to talk to Podfly.net. Yeah. Well, we're gonna. We're, I said we're gonna. Once I get it, when I finish the Blab session, it immediately emails me a link to both the video and the audio. I immediately put the audio up on YouTube and publish it as a as a blog post. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty cool. The other thing I wanted to mention is I just announced um, the run up to my my second edition of Repurpose Your Career, which I am rebranding. It originally was the first edition was um, a practical guide for baby boomers. Uh, I am now calling it a practical guide for the second half of life, because most of us, as we are, as as we reach, we all reach the second half of life at different times. Uh, For me, it was 46 when I had my bike accident. My first startup left us debt-free, didn't leave us rich, but we paid off the house, funded our kids' college education, and my perspective changed. You know, particularly as I think we've talked about, as my son left the house, a lot of things changed as I became an empty nester. And that's happening to a lot of folks at different ages, where suddenly your perspective, where you can say, you know what, I can I can go take the risk and be an entrepreneur now. Uh, use the example, your example of where you got laid off back in what two thousand eight nine yeah nine, um, where suddenly you were you already were kind of ready, but your perspective had had started to change, and and that's happening to a lot of us. So. Uh, the, my plan is the book to be published on January 1, 2017. I just released a preview chapter. Uh, I'm going to be doing a video uh, at the end of each for each chapter. What people liked about the first book was there were a set of action steps at the end of each chapter. And those people who did it found that very valuable. So I'm going to be doing a, a number of things in the second book to poke and prod and push people to do the work. So, Mark, you bring up an interesting thing about talking about your perspective changing, and you had a pretty serious bicycling accident several years ago that, that could have killed you. It left you it left you uh, laid up for a long time, and you had to sort of recoup, and you used to say that that sort of changed everything. About well, four or five episodes ago, we interviewed a guy here named Mike Dilbeck, who is currently going through a pretty serious battle with cancer, and we talked about how entrepreneurs need to be prepared for anything. So let's go back to your bike accident. What, what happened and, and how did that sort of change everything? Well, um, if you know here in Austin, I came, I was on Westlake Drive, came down a hill at about 25 miles an hour. There's an area over there where the road is cambered the wrong way, i.e. it's slanted out rather than inward, and I couldn't hold the turn, and it was a blind turn. Uh, I hit a 96 Toyota Corolla head-on. Our combined speeds exceeded 50 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Uh, I broke a hip. I, I, tore, I tore up my knee. I had a major laceration across the shin that hit the headlight. I broke the hip. I dislocated the shoulder, broke four bunch of ribs. I uh, broke the clavicle. I had imprints of the pads of the helmet in my head. Oh. Uh, I had, but the important thing was I had no internal injuries and no brain injuries I'm willing to admit to. <laughs> Uh, they had me walk. I spent five days in the trauma center. They had me walking on crutches in three days. I was back on a bike in 10 weeks. And um, 
uh, hit, I was flying back to China in four months. Wow. The goodness was, is that, that was actually a blessing because my son had graduated uh, from high school two weeks earlier. Uh, he was home with me while I convalesced and rehabbed. And we got to have lots of conversations before he headed off to college. Hmm. I would have not had that opportunity um, if I had had not had the bike accident. And what I learned four years later when he graduated and was home for a little while, what I learned was he listened. <laughs> you mean you mean the kids actually listen to you? Well, particularly with 18-year-old boys, you're fortunate you have girls. Boys at that age are brain dead. <laughs> well, we can, we can argue who has it, who has it better yeah. or worse, but I, I, have this, I have this dream that they secretly listen to this podcast. So, so Jackie, <laughs> Jackie and Kate, if you're actually secretly listening, let me know. I've caught you, but I yes. actually I don't believe they do. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I suddenly, and so that turned out to be a blessing. Um, at those speeds, you have about a 10% survival rate. I wasn't badly hurt, all things considered. I was pretty beat up. Uh, but, you know, all things considered, I, I was pretty lucky. And it, I started flying. I was flying back and forth to China to train engineers. And I was going, why am I doing this? Um it changes your perspective. As uh, I, in fact, I just listened to uh, the podcast you were referring to. Uh, it's changing uh, Mike Dillbeck, Is that right? Yeah, Mike. Uh, yeah, it, it's changing Mike's perspective on life, and those things will do that. And so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little more careful these days. Um, you know, I still ride my bike, but you know. Th- my my pers- my perspective will never be the same. So, Mark, I think in addition to to wanting to go out and make money and be successful and serve, you know, with their companies, I think entrepreneurs, in addition to being hard workers and, and building things, I think they're also great observers. So, I love to ask the people who come onto the show, who is it that you see out there who's doing something totally cool? Well, the one person that is, I always think about this when you ask that question. For me, it's Hannah Morgan, who is uh, AKA Career Sherpa. Uh, Hannah started her journey. Uh, she works for a college career office. But she now, it's interesting, uh, back in 2007, 2008, she started, she went to one of the SBA's Small Business Development Center. She says, well, you know, how should I be using social media? This is 2008, and they all kind of looked at her really strange. And Hannah now produces lists every year on the top Twitter IDs and the top career. And she gets more activity than if I was on the Forbes list. <laughs> and, um, and, and she is just, she's knocked it out of the park as far as just simply sheer visibility and be able to help people. And so I, 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 I always joke that I'm, I'm a couple of years behind Hannah because, you know, as you know, I use social media a lot. And a lot of, a lot of my clients come to me through the Blab, my, my blog, uh, through LinkedIn. And uh, she just, she knocks the ball out of the park. Cool. And her name again? Hannah Morgan. And she they can is, find her as Career Sherpa? Sherpa. Yeah, it's careersherpa.net. Awesome. 
So, Mark, you know, because you listen to the show, the other question I ask everybody is it's not just about making money. It's about finding ways to leave your mark on the world. So I love to ask my guests, because this is some of the most exciting stuff that we actually get from this show, is the different ways that people give back to serve their community, to serve the greater good, or some cause that's dear to their heart. What do you do to give back? Well, as you know, I have served, I've, I've been serving on a group called Launchpad Job Club, since 2006, we are the largest job networking group uh, in Central Texas. We've put about 15,000 people through the program. It's still all volunteer. And, you know, it that when I left teaching in 2006, it was the one time in my career that I was really lost. Financially, we were okay. Uh, I needed to go back to work. But I was really lost. And that's when I found LaunchMed. And I have served on the board ever since. Uh, We now have a signature program called uh, Leap to Success, uh, where we take a lot of our unemployed. We do short-term projects for nonprofits. I think this year we're going to do somewhere in the neighborhood of half a million to three-quarters of a million dollars worth of work for nonprofits. And um, it's, it's, it's my way of giving back. I get little to no clients out of it because they're all unemployed. But... Um, what I do get out of it is it's good for my brand, but more importantly, it just makes me feel good. Well, and it's a fantastic group. Over the years, I have probably delivered two or three presentations for them, and uh, it's been a long time. If you guys would like to have me back, I don't do a lot of free stuff anymore, but that is an organization in town that is making a difference because I've had several friends who have been really struggling in their career. They've been laid off. They were getting no traction. They'd never been through that before. They didn't know what to do. And I would recommend they go to Launchpad. And not only did they get the moral support they needed, but they got mentors like you who were there to give them real life direction. So I think that's a great cause. Yeah, one of the things I tell people to go there is because when you are out of work, it can be very lonely. And you think, I'm the only one. And then you can walk in a room and, you know, these days we have about 100 people show up every Friday. And you suddenly realize, wow, there are a lot of people who are just in the same situation I am. And by the way, some of these folks are really smart. And they're stuck in the same problem that I have. So it's, if nothing else, you suddenly discover, wow, it's not just me. (laughs) So, Mark, um, before I let you go, and usually this is where I say goodbye and thank you, but there's one more thing I wanted to go back to that we sort of touched on. And you and I have talked about this in depth, but we talked about the fact that the face of the world of work is changing. And I'd like, before we go, sort of to talk about that, because my audience is very heavy with people who are solopreneurs and want to be solopreneurs. And the statistics are saying that that's becoming way more common than at any other time in history. So what are the changes that you see happening in the workplace? And why do the people listening need to be aware of that? Okay. Number one, uh, there have been various different surveys saying that by 2020, between 40 and 50% of the people in this country will be contractors, freelancers, or solo entrepreneurs. And that is a huge, I mean, we have to think about that. That is a huge difference in a society where everybody goes, go get a job. Yes. And there are combinations of reasons for that. Number one, um, by the way, it was Obamacare. Um, and I'm a classic example. With Obamacare, I can go buy health insurance, which before I couldn't even go buy it. No one was going to insure my wife. Even though she's relatively healthy, she had a 
situation about 25 years ago, and no one will touch her. And so that actually frees up a lot of folks in my generation who were capable of retiring in their late 50s and early 60s, say, no, I'm going to go do something cool now. The other half is, is companies, we are rapidly seeing the shift away from um, only hiring for what is their, their, core, their core functions. Uh, I'll use the example is IT. IT is being outsourced at an incredible rate. And by the way, being an IT, an IT guy isn't nearly as safe as it used to be, <laughs> primarily due to cloud computing. Right. Um, you know, what I'm able to do as a solo entrepreneur <coughs> with the tools, you know, my website, my scheduling software, my, you know, my graphic stuff, I, you know, and I have three or four people who support me and most of them are here in Austin, but they can be anywhere. I mean, we mostly just simply talk through Dropbox. Um, it's never been easier. But the fact is companies are shedding off anything but their core business. Uh, and I go to Metropolitan Breakfast Club, as you know, and uh, we had a speaker here several years ago who talked about, uh, oh, what was it, InSync, the guys who do um, uh, projectors. And at one time they had almost 50,000 employees. They're now down to 1,000. Wow. Under 1,000. They don't design any of their own products. They come up with specifications. They find companies that can do the design. They outsource the manufacturing. They outsource just about anything they can. So they don't need a lot of employees. They need a lot of contractors, and they need a lot of just-in-time resources. So the world of work is changing rapidly. We, you know, just like I said, I was raised to be employee. I was, uh, you know, I figured this company was going to take care of me. They were going to provide me a pension. They're going to provide me with health insurance. Well, they ain't going to provide me with pension anymore. And many companies ain't going to provide me with health insurance. So why should I be an employee? So and, what do people need to be thinking about? I mean, if somebody's thinking about, wow, I mean, you give really good examples of why things are shifting. I don't know that, that I've heard it so concisely put. But if somebody's thinking, oh, my God, that could happen. My company could go from 5,000 to 1,000. Well, know? number one, do you, are, are you a turkey? <laughs> okay. Are you going to sit and say, everything is wonderful and cool and tomorrow is going to be better than today and I'm just fine until the Thursday in, in November. And suddenly, you suddenly discover things aren't so good. I've been pretty blessed. Um, I've made seven career changes, and I have never, I've only been laid off once, and I volunteered for that layoff. Every time I've made a transition, it's been on my terms. Even my last company, when, when I got put in this horrible, unethical position by my boss, I said, fine, I'm out of here. And I timed my departure down to the day. I timed so when I got my fourth quarter bonus, I got within two weeks of my next options vested. I, I made sure I, sh- I showed up on the first day of the, of the month, so I got health insurance for the month. Uh, I mean, I figured out what, you know, what date could I turn in my resignation and get the best benefit? And screw the rest. <laughs> right? 
Sure. And, 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 and you get a lot of people saying, well, I don't want to leave. In fact, I've had several clients who I claim who are who have been institutionalized. <laughs> uh, you know, like, like Brooks and Shawshank Redemption. Uh, you know, he, they don't know any better. And I had one client last year who uh, worked for a major telecommunications company. Um, she'd been there, well, she was 54, been there 32 years. They offered a sweet pension buyout. She says, I don't want to leave. Well, she didn't. Oh, by the way, she worked in an apartment of four. Her three compatriots left. Her boss left. Her boss's boss left. Uh. So now the workload went up four times. They offered it again. They sweetened it a little bit more. And she says, but I don't want to take oh, it. No. And the answer is, they want you gone. <laughs> and the terms aren't going to get better than this. The, the terms, you know, they were offering her like three quarters of a million dollars in a pension buyout. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, everyone, even I said, go talk to your financial advisor. Her financial advisor said, you'd be stupid not to take it. Sure. But, you know, I've done that with a couple other clients where we've timed the departure. Um, I've got one that we timed, timed the departure the day after her 55th birthday. Yeah, so she because could. So the pension vested yep. or the, the next round vested and she turned in her resignation the day after. Yep. We timed it. And, but the idea is don't be a turkey. Uh, things may be good. I've been through two acquisitions, uh, high-tech acquisitions, and the first one was really good for about three years, and then it t- turned south. The second one, well, it got ugly almost immediately after the acquisition. And it's time to move on. And you have to be prepared you don't want to be a turkey. <laughs> so, Mark, it was a delight to have you on the show. I know we've talked about it for a long time. I'm glad that the timing has worked out. I think it's exciting that you're re-releasing your book. I mean, I think people should go and get it now. Don't wait till January 1st and, and, and get the new version. Get it get it now. But, but if they are interested in finding out more about the book, more about your coaching program, and I will tell you, a friend of mine recently participated in your Monday uh, Office Hours with Mark Miller program, and he called me as soon as it was over, and he is struggled with his career for a long time and he said he learned more in an, about an hour I don't know how long it went but he said he learned more on that blab I guess the blab hangout he learned more in that time than from anybody else who's ever given him career counseling so if somebody's struggling or they want to they want to do the office hours they want you as their coach or they want to read your book how in the world do people find you well the first thing is go to careerpivot.com uh, and you can reach me from there. There is a contact me button on my website where you can you can reach me. Um, by the way, you can also email me at Mark. It's M A R C. My mama knew how to spell uh, at careerpivot.com. And I've got you know my packages on there. The the current book, believe it or not, I don't know when this is going to get released, but I'm, I've got a sale starting today, a dollar ninety nine. Uh, this is now what the, today's the fourth for the next week or so. Um, the it dollar ninety nine for the ebook and six ninety nine for the um, uh, for the paperback, and if you subscribe to the blog, you will be given access to the preview chapter, which I've been getting pretty good reactions from uh, from the second edition, and I will be releasing a new chapter about every two months. Excellent. And so, so subscribe to the blog. I've got the big subscribe button on the top right hand corner. And uh, and I, I said I'm I'm going to be releasing. I tr- try to release new white papers 
you know, every few months. And one of the next ones we're going to be releasing is all the tools we use um, or the tools I use, uh, Elizabeth and myself and the few other people that support me. Um, and all of these tools are largely either free or very low cost. Awesome. Well, everybody jump on over to Career Pivot and find out more about Mark. Like I said, everybody I know who's worked with him says, wow, he really got me focused on what I needed to do. And sometimes he does the uh, tough talk that you don't want him to do, but that you need to hear. So thank you again, Mark, for being on the show. And thank you to everybody for tuning in. Jump on over to my website and check things out. You can go over to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do website, which is off of a link on Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Cool Podcast or at Tom Singer. And of course, there we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and all the other fun places that you might be living on the internet. So find me, check it out, and do me a favor. If you listen to the show and you listened all the way to this point, you're the type of person who should go to iTunes and leave a review because reviews help the show get found and it just makes me happy and the show's free, so just make me happy. It's like, you know, giving me 50 cents or something. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Mark Miller. But in the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.